Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. It is your favorite podcaster, Mark Contreras, with Making the Cut. Welcome back again this week. It's been a great week. Learned some things this week. Uh, you know, the Saints had a rough time today. LSU seemed to turn some things around. Hopefully, that keeps going there. Uh, but as always, before I jump off into the episode this week, make sure that you go and follow me on Spotify. Uh, on Spotify's Making the Cut. And of course, my last name is, I think, still spelled wrong on there, but that's okay. Follow me there, and all of my episodes are going to alert you when it's time for the next one to come up. Uh, also, on you could also follow me on the Anchor app or even on anchor.fm. And of course, there's a couple other places where you get podcasts that you can find me as well. I'm out there. And I'm always going to put my link out on Facebook. Sometimes I forget to put it out there on uh, Instagram, but I definitely always put it on Facebook. Thank you for all of you for who've been listening, your faithful listeners. Uh, those of you who've been sharing with other people, keep sharing. And listen, today's episode, uh, this is a huge one that you probably should share with other college football fans. Uh, those whose team is either, either Alabama or not Alabama. So any college football team, especially, especially in the FBS, uh, you should share this with them because this could be eye-opening for them, as you can see by the title, and I'll get into that in just a moment. But uh, yesterday, when you get a chance to, go back and look. Yesterday, uh, Deke and I did our college game day picks. Uh, you know, we were good on some of them. We were off on some of them, but we had a lot of fun doing it. Go back and take a listen to it. Uh, it was there. We were supposed to get up and do another episode this morning. Deke wasn't feeling good. Our schedules didn't align. Uh, we're hoping to get back on there as well. Uh, maybe soon to at least do a recap of that one. But we are going to be looking at doing a weekly preview of college football. We're probably going to see about doing it in the middle of the week uh, so you can have an opportunity to listen there uh, because if you're like me and many other people, you want to watch college game day, you want to watch SEC Nation, you want to watch all those things as well. Uh, but this gives you something to listen to even before then. And uh, Deke and I, you know, Deke's 20-plus years in sports and sports radio, man, it's huge. He's a huge blessing to me. And I'm hoping he's getting it feeling better so we can get, get it going again. And this week, as you see on the episode title there, The Saban Effect, I want to talk to you a little bit about The Saban Effect because uh, there, there it needs to be explained because a lot of people, uh, not only fans, but also, uh, you know, uh, those who run organizations and, and college football teams kind of need to know this too because... It is an unfair advantage. It's an unfair uh, measuring stick or bar that we have to live up to in college football. But I want to explain it to you. And the reason why I want to explain it to you is because I, I posed a question yesterday um, that I, I put on one of the uh, one of the the LSU uh, talking uh, things. I can't even think of what it's called, but I put it. I posed a question on there. And of course, people are losing their minds because everything right now is fire. Oh, fire. Oh, get rid of. Oh, he's horrible. Uh, and you know, if you, if you, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't fire O and I should, I'm not saying that you should, uh, but, uh, this year and last year was pretty disappointing after 19, but at the same time, we did just win a natty, the natty in 2019. Uh, and so to move that quick, you kind of are going to have that Auburn Gene Chizik situation. And a lot of people have been comparing it that way. And so, and I'm not going to, advocate for firing or not firing Coach O, but I want you to understand that it's a bigger situation than it is for um, for just LSU, and, and I'm going to explain that here. 
and listen, when I say that it's an unfair bar, an unfair measuring stick that you have with the Saban effect, I don't say that as a whining fan. And I'm not saying that as a pass as well for not wanting to be the best. You should definitely want to be that. But you also have to understand what comes with it. And I'm going to explain that. But before I do that, I'm going to, I'm going to list out the question that I posed to the, to the chat groups yesterday. Uh, and what's funny is I, I put it in a chat group that was just supposed to be about LSU recruiting. And, and yet these guys are always on there naysaying and trolling and everything. It's, it's kind of insane. You know, the crazy part about it is uh, when you have success and when you have ultimate success in areas, you kind of get spoiled by it. And then when you get spoiled by it, you always have these lofty expectations. Well, it's easy to have those lofty expectations because you see others doing it. You see Alabama doing it. Uh, you see, you saw the Patriots do it for so long. Uh, and some of them are using Clemson. And, oh, I'll get into that in just a second. Uh, but you, when you use that, you take away from what you are now. You take away from the successes that you've had. And so it, it, you do want to continuously build. LSU has uh, great people as, uh, in the athletic department now that are, that are committed to winning. And listen, things are going to change. Regardless if that's with O or without O, uh, you're, you're still going to see something. That's, that's the reason why they brought in Kim Mulkey to the LSU basketball team, uh, women's basketball team, because they're committed to winning. Uh, that's the reason why they went and reached out to somebody uh, from Arizona who's a winning coach in baseball, college baseball, to take Paul Maneri's position after he retired. And so they, they are committed to winning. So don't get me wrong. I'm not, uh, not advocating to keep Coach O. I'm not advocating to fire Coach O. So just make sure that you don't get triggered on that. But the question that I posed yesterday was very simple this. It said a lot of people are complaining about Coach O because uh, right after the, the national championship in 2019, last year you had the COVID year, you had all these players leave, you have new offensive and defensive coordinators, and then it is a huge super below par season for LSU for what you would expect coming off the national title, which you understand. All of us were disappointed. And then this year, it seemed like it was going to be that way. Uh, and, and when you look at things in perspective, it may not be as bad as you thought it was because, you know, some of them were saying, hey, you can't keep looking at 2019 and living in glory years. Well, also the same thing, you can't keep living living in 2020 and living in the, in the, in the, the down years as well. Uh, I mean, we're only two years removed from the Natty. We're only one year removed from last year, but you can't live in that and tell me not to live in, in 2019 as well. So uh, with that, I, I, you know, you did see some of the same deficiencies this season that you kind of saw last year with, yet again, new offensive and defensive coordinators and new coaching staff all the way around, except for Coach O, really. Uh, but when you look at it, you know, and, and of course, a lot of the, the people that watch football and you swear... You, you swear that they just don't understand football because first thing that they're going to do is blame O, which that's fine. Everything rises and falls on, on leadership. But then they're going to blame the quarterback, Max Johnson. Well, we got a quarterback problem. Well, those are the same people that were praising Max Johnson last year, saying put him in instead of T.J. Finley. Those are the same people that were, were uh, vying for him over, over uh, now I can't think of his name, Cole, uh, Brennan, Miles Brennan, last year and this year. But now they want to dog him. It's, it's kind of the same thing. If you watched the Alabama and Florida game yesterday, Emory is in a quarterback for Florida, and he makes one bad pass, and the whole stadium there in the swamp start booing him. And then he drive, brings them back to almost winning the game, and they're cheering him. So it's this fickleness. And the reason why I asked this question is, uh, I, and I was just putting it into perspective for you to understand why I pose this question, you see 
that 2019 LSU and Coach O wins the national title. Last year was a huge fall off with COVID and opt outs and and uh, you know the coaching staff gone, uh, the uh, people going to the draft, everything. And then this year you have turnover in the coaching staff. You have more young players. You have transfers out. You have all that stuff. And then they kind of seemed to be under par playing against UCLA, which was a team they should have beat. Then they played down to a McNeese State, McNeese State team that uh, which they still handily beat with no problem. But you did see the deficiencies. You saw the same deficiencies in those two games that you saw from last year, uh, especially on the defensive side. The linebackers were out of position most of the time. They were exposed against UCLA after the first three drives. They looked great. The safeties were out of position. And when that, that part of the middle of the field, when your linebackers and your safeties are you know, out of position and playing in the wrong plays and making the wrong reads, not having gap integrity, safeties coming down too far and letting people behind them, then you're going to be exposed. That's a situation that they need to have more in practice, yes. That's a situation they need to have more in uh, the film room. But it also is from they need to be able to beat well, on the field what they are on practice and what they are in the film room as well. So part of it is coaching. Part of it is the players that are out there, they need to step up. And yes, I know they're young men. I'm not faulting them. Uh, you are, I mean, Although we have the tendency to fault them. And the offensive side, man, we like to throw it that it's uh, Max Johnson or the quarterback play. But honestly, you know, the, the 2019 year was an anomaly for the offensive line because two, the two, three years before that, offensive line sucked. They were horrible. And then you move to last year, offensive line sucked. And you move to this year, the offensive line sucks. But you can't say that Max Johnson was the problem if he's not getting the opportunity to make the passes off. He has to throw a pass with less than two seconds or he's had somebody in his face. And at the same time, uh, there's no running game. Now, Kenner seems to be a little bit better than Davis Price this year when you watched him yesterday against uh, Central Michigan, but it is against Central Michigan, but they weren't opening up the holes for Davis Price. So you, you wonder if the running back, the, the, the running game is because of the running back, but you also have to look at it as you've seen Davis Price be successful before in 2019. Saw him be successful a little bit last year as well. Uh, if you if you could stomach the games last year to watch and see. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, you know, they go through those things. But the thing about the quarterback, and you've seen Max Johnson make some plays that you, were kind of boneheaded. I'll, I'll talk about one play uh, the, the against UCLA where he threw the backwards pass. And, of course, everybody's dogging him. Here's the thing about perspective as well. The pass that he threw that was backwards was like two yards away from uh, Jenkins. Uh, and if Jenkins happens to make a dive and makes that catch somehow, some way, then we're not talking about Max Johnson being an idiot for throwing that pass. They're comparing him to Patrick Mahomes at that point because that's a Mahomes-type play or a Brett Favre-type play from back in the day, for those of you who are, are old enough to remember. So it, it, there, there are all those things. But I want you to understand this, too, about quarterback play. When you watch the UCLA game, when you watch the McNeese State game, and you see a quarterback who's under duress and is running for his life because he's not even getting the 1, 2, 3, or even 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 and have an opportunity to throw a pass uh, there, but even when he makes the pass, in the UCLA game, for an example, you had six straight drop passes by receivers. Some of the receivers have been in the system for a while. Some of the receivers are brand new. But you had six straight drops. Well, let me tell you this, and you need to look at it. Me and my brother were talking about it. You need to look at it th this way. A quarterback is an awful lot like a pitcher in baseball. And if you've ever played baseball, if you've ever pitched in baseball, if you've ever coached or anything, you understand the mentality. And if you watch enough football, you understand the mentality of a quarterback too. 
There are very, very few that can overcome a dead offensive line and receivers dropping the ball nonstop and still keep their composure and still be pinpoint accurate and and game managers and game winners. There's very few. But back to the analogy, uh, analogy with baseball and the pitcher, listen, a pitcher can be pitching an amazing game, and I've seen it before plenty of times, doing a great job. And, you know, one of the movies, uh, The Replacements, who was talking about quicksand was one of the biggest fears because something like that, something small happens and then something else small happens and then something else small happens. And it's like quicksand and you're in over your head. Looking at a pitcher in baseball, they could be pitching a great game and then they give up a little small hit that actually isn't even a hit. It goes to the third baseman, hits him in a glove. He makes a catch, throws it to the first baseman, drops it, or the third baseman drops it, shortstop drops it. You have these things. Well, that's okay. That's one error. It happens again, and it happens again. And then this pitcher starts saying, I I can't rely on my team to help me out here. So he starts pressing. When he starts pressing, he starts getting all over the strike zone. The same thing happens to a quarterback when his offensive line is not blocking for him, can't block for him, hasn't been consistent in blocking for him, and then his receivers are constantly dropping his passes. Now, that doesn't, that's not me being the, uh, the, the cheer champion for Max Johnson, but it, it, it does, bring things into perspective for you so on that note i didn't go want to go on a long tangent on that but i did on that note you 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 have to look at this question that i posed so i just went over everything about coach o his last three years with lsu and i asked the the question because i began to watch and and pay a, a little attention to clemson because clemson yesterday was playing against georgia tech and actually almost lost that game with a bunch of bonehead coaching play coach coaching calls uh play calls and, and when you begin to look at it, Clemson loses to teams every so often that are just, they shouldn't lose to. And not only that, they're in the ACC. You hire Catholic High should be in the national championship, uh, the college football playoff every year playing in that conference. That is the weakest Power 5 conference there is. Even the Pac-12 is stronger than them, and they actually have teams that beat themselves and knock themselves out of the college football playoff. Even the Big 12 is stronger than the ACC. So anyway, this is my question that I posed. I said, so I wonder if people who, if we had Dabo here at LSU, would people who are calling for Coach O's head would be calling for Dabo's head? And the reason why I say that is because when you begin to look at the similarities in some of the things that they're posing towards Coach O, loses to teams or barely beats teams that he absolutely should beat, hasn't won it since 2019, and actually Clemson hasn't won it since 2018. And there's some other similarities there, but when you look at it, like, would they would they be calling for his head? And so many people just blasted me for asking that question. Dabo's, Coach O's not anywhere on Dabo's radar. He, Dabo would run circles around him. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't, but I can guarantee you this. You, you put Clemson in, AC, in, in the SEC, they, at best, if they're in the SEC East, are going to finish third behind Florida and, and Georgia. And that might be, they might even be fourth behind Kentucky. Let's be honest, because they don't play the gauntlet of the schedule that any of the SEC teams play. If you put Vandy up in the ACC, if you put Kentucky up there, they're going to be better than most of those ACC teams. Look at Florida State. Look at Virginia. Look at look at the other teams there. When you begin to look, you most of you can't even you know mention who's in the ACC other than Clemson. Honestly, let's be honest. So. And, and my answer to that is yes, absolutely they would because fans are so fickle and stuck on the here and now. And what have you done for me lately? Because of the Saban effect, 
and I'll get back to the saving effect now that I'm still explaining it, but they would absolutely, because it's been longer, it's been since 2018, they would use the same measuring stick. Well, how do you say that? Well, they were calling for Les Miles' head. Hey, guess what? Other schools are calling for their coaches' heads on a regular because they're not Saban. They're not Alabama. That That's just the way it is. It's the Saban effect. And because of that, we have this like instant gratification thing that we have. We, we, we want to win every single year. We want to win every single year because we see somebody can do it. And yes, that's a great bar to be able to have, but it's he's the master of it. And I'll explain that as well in just a moment. But we're so much of the instant gratification when you begin to look at it, even in fantasy football now, people are going to the, the, the different fantasy football ones, DraftKings and FanDuel, because you don't have to keep up with a team every every week, uh, all year long. You can go draft another team every single week. You could try to win every single week. So there's this like, no, 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 I, can, I can't try to manage this team and try to develop this team and see if I can win against somebody who's winning all the time with what I have and develop my skills even that. And yes, it does take skills to win in fantasy football. But the great Lou Holtz, the great and honorable Lou Holtz, Sid the Sloth, as I, I joke with him about, uh, joke about him with, he said this a long time ago, uh, probably 10, almost 12 years ago. He said it is what happens now, and it's really since Saban's been at Bama that he said this, uh, that these 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 schools they don't give coaches time to be able to build a program. He said every even the best coach needs like three years to be able to build a program. And you say, and I know that's a little bit different than looking at O and Dabo and different people like that. But you have to understand what it's. We are so quick to get rid of these coaches, so quick to get rid of them. Now, and then same thing. Just a little side note with O, uh, he did bring in new offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. So you do have to have the time to be able to get the program going with those new guys. Any school or any program or even in the pros, when they have new coordinators, new coaches, it takes a while for it to gel. But we want it right now. We just assume that it's going to be that way right now. But there's always there's a big domino effect. And I could even go to you that people were calling for Saban's head. Some people still call for Saban's head every once in a while when they don't win it at Bama. Believe it, believe it or not, they absolutely do. If you get on their message boards, if you get on sometimes the Fine Ball Show, they're, they're, they're calling for his head. Or you get on the shows over in Alabama, they're calling for his head when he doesn't win the national championship because success brings spoiledness. And you get spoiled by your success, right? And so you have to win it all, all the time. You have to be perfect all the time. But even at LSU, some people were calling for Saban's head. They were calling for his head before. Some of you don't even remember it. Some of you do remember it. We were calling for his head before they won the national championship. And then the year afterwards, many people don't even remember this. They were calling for his head that year because they went 9-3 and and lost a bowl game to Iowa. Which... Don't get me wrong, not everybody, a lot of people wanted him to stay, myself included. But there were people who were naysaying and wanted saving out because he didn't win it the next year. That's just the way that it is with fickle fans. And I do have to say this with fickle fans. Man, if you're a fickle fan like that, that is always like naysaying every time something is not going absolutely right, you, my friend, are what's called a fair weather fan or a bandwagon fan. You need to be a fan 100% of the time. Whatever school you're with, whatever team you're with, you need to be able to bleed those colors 24-7, 365, and not be. It's okay to complain. Like, I'm complaining about, hey, our linebacking and our safeties and our offensive line still suck. They have to work on it. They have to get better, or it's going to be a long, 
long season. Because when you begin to look at the SEC landscape, man, Arkansas is the truth. And it might be overrated, but Arkansas is the truth. So just keep going with that. But here's some dominoes to the Saban effect that you need to know about. Maybe you didn't realize because you're so caught up in the moment. Not just LSU is affected by it. Now, we kept last miles probably for far too long. Maybe we're going to keep O for, for too long for some people's liking. Maybe he turns around, turns his season around, and the only loss is UCLA. Maybe he turns it around. I do have pose this question, too. If he turns it around and the only game that they lose to was to UCLA, they beat they beat Arkansas, they beat AM, they beat Florida, they beat Alabama, they beat whoever they need is on the rest of the schedule. Do the naysayers turn it around or are they still screaming for O's head to be gone? See, you're going to be fickle one moment and not fickle the next? You're going to be a fan one moment and not a fan the next? What are you going to do? So, again, it doesn't just affect LSU. Look at Auburn. It affected Auburn so much so that right after Gene Chizik won a national championship, two seasons later, he's out. Which, that's kind of understandable because when I say that, it's always been like that with Alabama and Auburn. Look at Georgia. They moved on from Mark Rick. Got Kirby Smart. Look at Tennessee. Farmer's gone. Then they go through a plethora of coaches. Look at Florida. Even Urban Meyer was like, after a couple of years, he's like, I can't beat Saban. I'm going to retire. It's too stressful. Too many health issues. Yeah, right. He knew he couldn't beat him there. So he goes and goes to Ohio State. What happens there? Wins one year by a fluke. Let's be honest, that was a fluke. They shouldn't have been in the college football playoff anyway once they lost Virginia Tech at the beginning of the year. That's a whole other story. Uh, then after he can't win, he can't win the big one. The pressure gets to him. He gets out. It's because of the Saban effect. But let's go back to Florida. That's another team that because the Saban effect, Saban effect is that <coughs> look at the coaches they've gone through. McElwain, Mullen, Muschamp. It's unreal. South Carolina. Man, even South Carolina, what the ball coach did up there at South Carolina is huge. Completely overshadowed. So many people don't even understand what happened there. For him to be able to bring that team to an 11-win team, to win the SEC East, to be able to go to the SEC uh, championship game that had never been done for South Carolina, completely overshadowed, all because of the Saban effect. You don't see it. Well, not only Meyer. Let's, look, let's go even deeper into the Saban effect. Look at Texas. Yes, I pick on Texas all the time because Texas is back, quote-unquote, right? I mean, they really, that's kind of like low-hanging fruit. They set themselves up for it all the time. But when you look at it, Saban beats Mac, Mac Brown in the national championship and Colt McCoy was there, gets hurt, you know. Uh, and after that, it goes downhill. Then they get rid of Mac Brown. Then they bring in Charlie Strong. Then they bring in Tom Herman. Now they got Steve Sarkeesian. It's been a constant because they're all trying to, they're all affected by the Saban effect. Now, I'm not saying that I'm a huge Saban fan or want it back or anything like that. I'll go into that in just a moment. Yes, I would love Saban back at LSU. It ain't happening now. And I'm not a Bama fan. I'm a, I'm a true LSU fan. But I want you to understand, uh, it is an effect and it's all because of him. And I'll, and I'll get into it in a little bit more detail in just a second. Man, even Bob Stoops at, at Oklahoma, who was winning national championships over there. The SEC dominance starts happening. He starts talking trash about the SEC. Bama slaps him around, and then he retires. 
right? I know he won one in, in a bowl game that didn't matter. Whip-de-do, right? Whip-de-stinking do. But he retires. But it wasn't that he was retiring because homeboy's still trying to get a job coaching. He's coaching in, in the in the minor league football teams, the ones that don't last very long. You understand what I'm saying when I'm saying this? It, it's, it's definitely different. Saban even changed the way offense is played in the SEC. You say, no, 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 no. Hugh Freeze did that when they brought in the spread and the hurry up and, and the quick pace and stuff like that. He did. Hugh Freeze did bring that in. But it wasn't until Saban said, hey, we got to get better, that the SEC started to change. LSU followed suit later on. Other teams tried to adapt it. They weren't as successful at it. So they, it's, it's all part of the Saban effect because what he does is he is the best at the whole game of college football. And I'm going to break that down for you, too, so you can understand. What Saban has done is kind of what Bear Bryant did back in the day at, at Alabama. They were the, the top dog. They were the, the model of what you needed to do. And it affected everybody around them, and everybody had to do it. One thing that Saban does is very similar to what Bear Bryant did was back in the day when Bear Bryant was there, they didn't have a limit on the amount of recruits that you can have. So what Bear Bryant would do is he would go get all of the recruits that he can possibly get, all the best players everywhere, with giving them opportunity and the promises and chance to play with, play for Alabama. And when he would do that, he had over 100 players, like well over, so many more. And the reason why he did that was so that the other teams wouldn't have those players to play against him. It's pretty smart, right? That's He's part of the reason why they started changing the, the recruiting numbers that each team could have. Imagine what the recruiting numbers would be now if they wouldn't have changed it, especially with NIL coming in. And I mean, I, I think teams like SMU that that hid the uh, death penalty for paying players would uh, would would be a, a marquee power team going forward with all that money over in Dallas. But what Saban does, it's very similar to that, is he hoards all the coaches. What are you talking about? Well, look at all of the coaching staffs, man. Of course, he does an amazing job of recruiting. He is the best recruiter. Now, he, he was asked a long time ago, how did he become such a good coach? He said he's not the best coach. He's the best recruiter. And it's true because the guy can get more players there than, than anybody else. Not only that, he is the best coach because he develops them all. Me and Deke were talking yesterday about Dan Mullen, and Dan Mullen doesn't get all the best recruits, but that son of a gun can develop some people. You know, coaches need to be great recruiters, but they also need to be great developers of players. You know, for the longest time at LSU, we had that same thing with Les Miles. Could not develop a quarterback to save our lives. And so, and again, don't don't think Max Johnson's a problem if you want to go back to the days of Jordan Jefferson and Anthony Jennings, where these were a great quarterback, could have been great quarterbacks and uh, great athletes, but they weren't developed. Don't don't go that route. Don't go complaining. You can get back what you used to have if you really want to have that. If you want to complain the wrong way, but he hoards these coaches. What are you talking about? Well, anytime a head coach gets fired, they end up at Alabama as an analyst, and then they end up as uh, coordinators of some sort, and then they go become head coaches elsewhere. Man, Maryland's head coach, Georgia's head coach, Tennessee's head coach. South Carolina, Florida, I mean, because Muschamp, uh, he's from the Saban tree. Even at Texas now with Sarkeesian. Some of them are pros. All of these guys were head coaches somewhere else. They failed or had some issues. And as Deke was talking about yesterday and another guy on another radio station was saying, they had to go back there to the 
to the house of the Lord over there with Saban's house and get their sins forgiven and learn how to coach again. And they go back out. So he hoards all these coaches. When you look at all these other, uh, like, why can't we get a better coach at LSU? Why can't we get a better coach at all these other places? They're all over there. Butch Jones is there. I'm not saying Butch Jones is going to be a great head coach anywhere anytime soon. But you understand what I'm saying? All these guys are there as coordinators. They had head coaching and some of them successful head coaching opportunities and experiences. But they're there on the Alabama. So, like, when I was having this conversation with some of these cats on, on, on the on the walls yesterday, on the, on the chat walls, they were like, LSU, you can't use that we lost the coordinators every year, the last few years, because Bama does it every single year. But the thing about it is they're already hoarding all these coaches. So we're having to go, not just us, but everybody else is having to go get coordinators that most people never heard of. Listen, I know Matt Canada was highly touted by some people, but it, most of everybody never heard of Matt Canada. Let's be honest. Some of the guys that we have on the coaching staff now, never heard of, even though they have NFL experience. Nobody had heard of Joe Brady until we got him. So it's what it wasn't like these getting all these great coaches like Saban does. So one guy goes, one guy goes out, you got Lane Kiffin coming in. Lane Kiffin goes out, you got Steve Sarkeesian. Both of those were head coaches and successful head coaches. Jeremy Pruitt, Kirby Smart, all these guys, they were all on his staff. Some of them were fired and some of them were there with him from the beginning. But you understand all of the coaches are there with him. And so there's this hoarding there. So you can't use that. They, they have this measure stick because saving the saving effect as beating college football by doing that in itself. He gets the greatest teachers, the best coaches, and he puts them on their staff either as analysts, analysts or, uh, you know, these analysts, they can go there because they have their huge buyout contracts for getting fired. So they don't have to get paid so they can go there for free and, and coach with, with air quotes, analysts as their title. And then you have the, the coordinators there too that were ex-head coaches. And so you have these things. It's the saving effect because he rules college football. It's not just the SEC. It's not just LSU. It's not just Auburn. Every single school is affected by it. Now, one thing about uh, one of the, the arguments with Clemson and the whole Dabo thing was that, uh, you, I, honestly, let me just go ahead and debunk this real quick. Dabo over there in the, in the, in the ACC, Man, come on. I know I said it a minute ago, but that is a horrible conference, man. If they don't make it to the college football playoff every year, then something's wrong. Their head and shoulders better than everybody there. That doesn't mean that they would come to the SEC and blow them out. But they don't lose coordinators every year either. So they're not going across some of the stuff that everybody else has to go through, nor even LSU, nor even Alabama, nor any of these other schools. But all these schools are looking for them. Now, you do have some hot names that are out there like uh, – that, that I'm not even going to go through all the names, but that other teams are going to look at because they can't pick and pull from all of the coaches that they probably should go for because they're on Alabama's coaching staff, whether it's coaches, coordinators, analysts, whatever it may be. They're all over there in Alabama because the Saban effect has beaten college football. And he's he's continuously going to be, like, be that way. And unfortunately, it's going to be that way until Saban finally decides to retire. Maybe he turns it over and gives all his secrets to whoever his successor is going to be. But let's be honest, it's going to be that way until there's a, a divorce or a retirement. 
just like with uh, the Patriots and Brady and, and Belichick. It was going to be that way until there was that divorce. And speaking of that, those LSU fans that are making a comparison, it's unfair to whatever coach, and not just LSU fans, other other schools. Whatever coach you have, it's unfair to those coaches for you to make the comparison to Saban. Because let's be honest, regardless if you're trying to or not, that's what you're doing. You're making that comparison to Saban because everybody wants to be the top. Yes, that's a good goal to be. But you're not giving these guys the fair chance because they're not working with the same resources. You're not working with the same, uh, I've beat college football and I know how to beat the whole game in itself all the way around, hoarding the coaches, getting the best recruits. It's it's just different, man. But you're not giving these guys a chance. You, you give them a chance to win, you celebrate them, and then the moment they start failing a little bit, then you turn your back on them. It's, per, it's pretty insane. Now, that, that again, if, if Coach O isn't the answer, yeah, by all means, bring in somebody who's, who's better for it. But at the same time, it's going on with every single school. You, you're not, it's unfair. And, and listen, I, I understand. I'm not trying to whine and cry as well. It's unfair, and it's an unfair advantage, but you have to deal with it. And you have to learn how to be able to grow in it as well. You're either going to try to play the Alabama game, or you're not, and you're going to lose. You may win every so often. Just like somebody wins a national championship every so often. Clemson won twice. LSU won. Ohio State won. But you're not going to win consistently because Alabama's there every single year. Look, LSU fans, I know you want Saban back. That's the reason why you compare everybody to Saban. And every other school compares their coaches to Saban. Why can't we be like that? But especially the LSU fans. Let me tell you this. Let me give you this secret. Saban ain't coming back, buddy. You're going to have to be able to learn how to be a fan regardless that he ain't coming back. It's like the girl who left you for somebody else. She was a prom queen. She was a supermodel. She was all that you ever wanted in a a girlfriend or in a wife or whatever. Man, she's left you. She's gone. Move on. You have somebody new. While you're sitting there staring at that person that you used to have, you're missing out on all the good that you have with the one that you have now. You're discrediting what you have now. Listen, man, and, and and so many of them have done the same thing. We're like, well, I can't have the prom queen supermodel, so I'm going to go for her her little cute sisters. Maybe maybe they're like her, too. What do you mean? Well, I did have to explain somebody an analogy and a metaphor yesterday, so just follow with me. This is an analogy and a metaphor for you. Uh, but the, little, the pretty little sisters, the cute little sisters that you're hoping are going to be just like that prom queen supermodel are those coaches that were on the coaching staff on the coaching tree. Look at them. They're not the same. Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. Will Muschamp at Florida. Will Muschamp at South Carolina. Kirby Smart at Georgia. Kirby Smart's done a pretty good job, but he's still not doing it. They're still living off of Herschel Walker in 1981. 82, maybe. 83. Whatever whatever year it was. You, when you begin to look at it, everybody's trying to live off of marriage. Maryland's trying to live off the little sister, too. I think Colorado and Michigan State are as well, or, or were for a while. But you have all of them that are trying to get it. Everybody's trying, because they can't have saving, they're trying to go for it. Let me break it down to you. You're not going to have the same thing. He is the king of college football right now. You just have to understand that. And take your lumps when you can get them. Take your wins when you can get them. And stop being a crybaby all the time when you don't get your way. You sound like a two-year-old in a store who just kicks and flops on the floor because they can't get the cereal that they want, even though it tastes disgusting. Like, man, calm down. Calm down. Or as Discount Double Check Aaron said 
relax. Man, enjoy what you have. Enjoy what you have right now. He ain't coming back. He ain't coming back to LSU. Give it up. Stop trying to have Saban here. It ain't happening, man. Let it go. Get behind your team now. Yes, you can complain about the, the inefficiencies of the offensive line uh, and the uh, the linebackers and the safeties and anything else you see. But, man, again, you're not Bama. You're just not. And I don't want to sound like a huge Bama fan, but let, let's just be honest. Let truth be truth, bro. Let it go. Don't be a whiny baby all the time. Enjoy what you have. You didn't even give your sh- yourself a chance to enjoy your national championship in 2019 because you're already complaining and whining and crying. Like, oh, we got to get rid of him. We got to get rid of him. He's got to go right now. Like, dang, bro. Calm down. Take take the lumps, man. See if he could turn it around. First game of the season, you're already calling for his head. What's wrong with you, man? Like, grow up. Yes, he might end up getting fired by the end of the season. We got it. We got new. Uh, we got guys who are committed to winning in the athletic department. But man, come on, get behind them. Don't be like Florida was yesterday, booing the guy because he had one bad play, and then cheering him later on. Don't be fair weather, man. Don't be fair weather. Be all in. If you're going to be purple and gold, bleed it all the time, man. If you're going to be uh, creamsicle orange up there in Tennessee, bleed it all the time, man. Man, some of y'all need to be like Nebraska. Nebraska hasn't been relevant since they left the Big 12. But their fans are the hardcore fans that back their team no matter how horrible they are. How long it's been since they've won games. How long it's been since they've won anything. But yet they still sell out the stadium. But LSU, we ain't going to sell out the stadium unless we're playing Bama. Right? Unless we're beating Bama. Unless we have a, a winning season. Right? Fickle, man. Grow up. Anyway, that, that's my ramble, but that is the, the saving effect. Yeah, grow up, man. Or, or you're going to end up missing out on a good thing, paying attention to something that, that you shouldn't be paying attention to. Let's be honest. You're going to keep paying attention to what Saban does yourself and miss out on what you have in yourself. We got a young team, man. Get behind them. I know this was a little bit longer podcast uh, for myself to do, but listen, man, you probably need to share this with some some LSU fans that, that are not listening to me yet. You probably need to share this with some SEC fans that are not listening to me yet. How about this? Share it with some college football fans that are not listening to me yet. Because, listen, they need to hear this. They need to understand. Bring things back into perspective. Because let me let me tell you the truth. Again, I'll say this like I said at the beginning. I know everybody was calling for Coach O's head after the UCLA game and the way that they played against McNeese State. Let me guarantee you this. If, you were, if Dabo was down here, You'd be calling for his head right now by the way that they're playing right now. No offensive line. Quarterback's getting sacked over and over. The quarterback is highly routed, touted and doing nothing. Doing nothing. And they're almost losing to teams that they absolutely shouldn't lose to. Any coach that you got here, because it's not Saban, you're going to be calling for his head. And let me remind you again, there were quite a few who were calling for Saban's head early on and even after the national championship. It is what it is. Stop being fickle. Anyway, share it with people. Let them have some perspective. They can come at me like they did on the message boards if they want to. I don't really care. But this is truth. So until next week, and of course, until next week, you know, this week we're going to be trying to get to get, get together with uh, with me and Deke. We're going to do some more college football game day uh, preview. We're going to see if we can recap this past week's, this past Saturday's, yesterday's. And uh, we're going to be trying to do a lot more. And the Deke show is going to be coming up soon. Keep a lookout on it. 
Uh, always, as always, go check out my friend Tommy Kryzan, his podcast, Talking Sports with TK. Hey, he, he knows his stuff, man. I know I say that all the time, but he definitely knows his stuff, and he puts stuff out left and right. Give him some follows. Give him some listens. He's a great guy. knows his stuff. And before I go, don't forget, if you're not following me yet, go to Spotify now and follow me on Spotify or go to the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and follow me there. And my links are always going to be on Facebook. Man, share it on Facebook, too. That way more people are going to see it. I appreciate it. Thank you all a lot. See you all next time. This is Mark Atreer with Making the Cut.